This is First You Hustle, a podcast from the Columbus College of Art and Design meant to help students and budding creative professionals put their expertise to use. I'm Jordan Bell, and I come to you from the future. Well, not really, but I'd like you to think that for this episode, both myself and today's guest are talking to you from 10 years in the future. My name is Maria Carluccio. I'm a artist slash writer, designer, illustrator, teacher, mentor, uh, creative, crafty person. Basically, I've been teaching at CCAD now uh, since September. You see, there are some simple truths about humans that apply rather universally. There are only a few of these simple truths in existence, but one of them is that your 20s is a time of self-doubt, self-destruction, high hope and ambition, and very little money. This is a two-part episode about mental health. Today's part covers the mindset of a 20-something emerging creative and the barriers that come up. And part two will dive deeper into the tools and resources you can use to make sure that you are in the right place mentally to be successful. Thanks for joining us. This was not a planned two-part episode, but it has become one out of necessity. Maria and I ended up having a great conversation simply about what it is like to be in your 20s. And in an effort to keep the episodes in a 30-minute ballpark, we're going to run the entire interview as part one. Part two will cover a little bit more about tools and resources for improving your mental health. But the important thing about this conversation is that this is a frank conversation between two people not in their 20s. And we're kind of talking back to ourselves at 20. It's like you're getting a glimpse at what advice we'd give ourselves if we could go back in time. And some things will just be, you know, you can't speed up the time it takes to experience life, gain wisdom, and try new things. And it isn't specific. From what I gather from our conversation, Maria has no major regrets. I know I don't have any major regrets in my life. But I think we look back at our 20s as a time when we didn't know what the throttle button did. This is the time in your life when you might be holding yourself back because you don't think you're good enough. You're misreading signals or getting biased information on social media that reinforces your own self-doubt. Maybe you're moving too fast and ignoring opportunity for improvement and critique. You're trying to get through many experiences at once while absorbing very little. We don't have the answer on where that balance is. It's something unique to the individual and you'll figure it out. However, knowing that you need to balance is an aha moment that comes in time and we're just trying to deliver that to you about 10 years early. So let's jump in and you can be a fly on the wall for our conversation. Then in part two, we'll discuss how other mental health issues can double the impact of self-barriers and the tools and resources available to you. It wasn't until I kind of was hands-on in experiences where I I kept seeing the struggles that I felt students were, were um, having. And some of it they would tell me and some of it they wouldn't tell me, but I could tell there was stuff going on there. Um, and it's tricky because some of it I wanted to talk to students about and pull aside and say, hey, is everything okay? And other times I wondered if it was kind of PC of me to do that and if it was okay to kind of um, engage with them and tell them a little bit of my own personal journeys because I felt like it was appropriate in times. It was it was helpful and it was important. I think exp- um, sharing the things that I've been through um, is helpful because I feel like students need to see that you don't. You know, I, I have a. I'm really happy with the career I have now. I'm. I feel so fortunate and um, and blessed to have the opportunities I have. But 
it's been so, so, so many years of struggle and ups and downs and a roller coaster ride, crazy roller coaster rides uh, to get there. And I think sometimes when we look at social media and stuff like that, it, it, we just get this impression of of other people's careers, and we don't and we don't really um, know that when we see that there's a lot of struggle behind it too. So like, for example, I have a student who's, um, who's dealing with his loss of his father last year. And I had that I had both lost both my parents many years ago over 15 years ago. And um, so, you know, I felt like I wanted him to know that I'd been through that, through that journey and that that was something that I understood um, that it's to take time out to to care for yourself during that grieving process is hugely important so I I kind of feel like that was that was just one example of of um, trying to be understanding to students when they have when they're going through certain specific struggles mm-hmm. and do you do you sense that students might be reluctant to kind of bring it up with you or to bring it into the classroom um, because they don't feel like it's connected to their work? Do they feel like I, I have these personal things going on, but I am also working on these creative projects, yeah. and those are two separate things, but they're not really separate things. Yeah, I do think that they hesitate to bring it up, and there is this confusing aspect, this par- gray area of professionalism versus um you know letting me help you through a little bit of some of the difficulty cuz that's what my job is i'm not i'm not saying i'm i'm supposed to like help you you know i'm not a therapist or anything but i do think that part of what my job is is to is to like help you push through some of these difficult places and sometimes we define that as not professional, like, oh, this is not professional for me to share this. You know, I was just watching um, Tom Brady on on uh, Stephen Colbert, and he was talking about how he cried after he won the Super Bowl, and, and Stephen was like, you know, that's pretty cool that you that you're sharing that and all that. And you know, there's other sports figures who are like these big, you know, people in the spotlight and the media and they're tough sports figures but yet the fact that they share that like emotionally they're go- they're going through something i think that that's part of what we need to see more of and even even for anyone to share that kind of thing i think is important so so yeah i think there's a it's a very tricky area because here we are like i teach self promotion and i feel like Part of self-promotion is like, get out there, promote yourself, show how strong you are, show how great you are. And then it's like, but when you're actually in doing the work, how there's, it's, there's some very dark places that you have to go sometimes to get the art out of yourself. And I'm always like, I don't care how you get there. Just let's get, let's get the good stuff. That's my thing is like, that's why some of the parameters in certain projects, I'm, I'm a little bit like, okay, well, let, let me rethink this parameter because I just want you to have to do your best work. That's my goal is to get the best work out of you. And you might have to go to some places that are hard to go to emotionally to get that the best out of yourself. So that's why it's like being 
able to navigate that with students is is keeps me on my toes let's say you know yeah and you, you know you mentioned social media and self-promotion and that got me thinking about how the line of where promotion ends is really blurry these days because yeah. we are in these communities that are sometimes very um, small but they're still publicly viewable you know you, you have x amount of followers and you're you know you're trying to craft this image of yourself um, but it's still it's still you so I feel like today it's tough to know when okay you're you're promoting yourself and it's all positive and it's all the good stuff because you're trying to further yourself in your career and then we think but I can't share with anyone anything negative about myself even yeah. in person because I'm always everyone's trying to always be promoting they're always yeah. trying to show that best side and when we see people's careers online the image we see as you mentioned is you know that's the that's the tip of the iceberg that's the that's the end of the after the struggle that's after all of the the things that were going on in their mind about not being good enough. How do you draw that parallel to students to, to say like, you know, if you if you don't if you don't take care of yourself first, it's going to impact what you what you are able to do professionally. That's sometimes the hardest thing yeah. to convince a student that like it, it matters, you know, to eat well and to get a good night's sleep and right. talk about all these healthy habits. And I think Right. When I when I say that to to students, sometimes I I fear that they're just thinking like, oh, this is the routine kind of mom and dad talk. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think too. I think that's the same thing. Is whenever I've said that to students, I feel like I get the same kind of response. Um, and I think they don't sometimes really um, believe it until all systems shut down, and then they have to hit the bottom to kind of like come back and be like, oh, I try to remember back as best I can to being 20 years old, to being like that that age. And I think there is a place mentally that you, where, where you're at, where you're, there is this kind of little self-destructive part of yourself. Cause I know I had that. I know I was a little in that place. Um, and, and, and I think it's, just you have to figure out how to manage that self-destructive side of being 20 years old. I just think it's it's kind of comes with the territory a little bit like that most students are in that age range when you are just experimenting figuring your shit out and you and you know what people say to you you're like yeah whatever. You know they don't know. I mean we all we're 20 years old so we all remember back to that um but i think the the students that can figure out that it's a management it's managing always managing how you're gonna um keep yourself in balance and and keep a balance in your life those are the students that kind of seem to be I think that also conveys to an employer in a way, like when you talk to somebody, you can kind of vibe. If you're an employer, you can kind of vibe if somebody's got a sense of that balance to their life, or if they seem a little like there's some not quite balanced, then you'd be like, can I really, can I really depend on this person? I, I, I know people in my life who I can say I love dearly, but when I think about if I was an employer to hire them, I'd be like, there's just that, that instability quality to them that I'd be like, I can vibe it. You can smell it. So it's kind of like a, 
it's like, how do you get students to understand that that creating a stability within yourself is is something that not only helps you, but it's it it helps you to kind of convey that to to somebody when you're going for a job interview. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's not a fake thing. It's right. a real. It's a it's a thing that takes a lot of work. A lot, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and I mean, these are all things that you'll you'll be forced to confront eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you take the control to confront, yeah, early, then you're you're more in control of how and when it comes out. So it's not in an interview or right. once you're hired or you know that it's like, well, I guess there's there's more beneath the surface that I haven't really been been yeah. thinking about. Um, you mentioned, you know, you were you remember being 20 and being self-destructive did you did you take steps to like not make that be a a big issue or did you just kind of like you just floated through it and in retrospect now we're like oh that could have gone oh yeah either way i could have gone (laughs) definitely could have (laughs) gone and people a lot of people who who knew me back when i was 20 would have never i don't think they really saw me that way but I saw myself that way. And I saw that there was lots of parts of who I was that was like, oh, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this. And I'm, I'm, this is not me. And, you know, I was, I was definitely like that. Um, but I think luckily, I, that's why I'm just look back and I go like, God, I was so lucky because luckily some of that stuff just, it figured itself out. It, it kind of like the self-destructive parts brought me to places where I needed to go and I needed to kind of like do that and get it out of my system and then come back to kind of like learning from that. It was just kind of the way, but I, I think back and I think I've always been that kind of person that I kind of, I have to do things in a way that sometimes I, now I'm much more level-headed, but I think I used to, be more like impulsive and more like I have to do it this way. That's the way I need to do it and and no regrets. Um, and I, I'm glad that I was like that. But in, in a way, now that I get older, I'm kind of like, oh, I kind of wish I was a little more impulsive. Like I, I'm more calculated. Yeah, you're you glad know? you were that way, but you don't I'm, want your daughter to be that yes, way. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like I'm I'm trying to mentally prepare myself for the fact that she she might be that way. The fact that I was that way, I kind of I kind of go like, okay, you know, you just you just have to be ready for it if it happens, but she might not. I don't know. What do you mean being more impulsive? Um like at 20 years old, I I went to live in Italy and I followed one of my best friends who went there first. And we both did this summer program where we studied in Switzerland and then we came back and then she had a boyfriend she met over there and she's like, I'm going back to Italy. She went back to Italy. And then she would write me letters saying, why don't you come out, come here, come, it's great, you know. And I really didn't, I mean, I didn't know what I was like how much money was going to take what it I just was like you know what she can do it I'm going to go so then I went and it was just like a very bohemian life of of living like I many many years paycheck to paycheck not knowing where the hell I'm going to land um and so I think that just for so many years having that you know just 
making me feel that, yeah, you know, when I get that, I get that place, you know, sometimes I look back and I think I was so impulsive that, that at times I feel like I could have been a little more graceful. I could have handled situations with a little more tact and a little more grace and a little more, I I used to say that like the way you leave a relationship is as important as the way you come into a relationship. And sometimes I look back and I think there's so many people I knew over the years and and I and I I don't regret really generally the majority of it, but there were things that I feel like I was I was just too I just needed to get out and do the next thing and I could have been a little more thoughtful. You know, but I think sometimes that just you don't see that when you're young, you know, you don't have that wisdom, you know. Yeah. So. And, and then you get it and you're like, oh, if I could. Yeah. And I, we, we've talked about, you know, when you're 20. But for me or from what I've seen, it's really your 20s. Yeah. You know, it's not just oh a couple of years when you're, you know, in college. Um, your 20s is a lot of I don't know. I, I need to figure it out and I don't know what it is. Yeah. I have no money. Yes. And yes. I have tons of energy and ambition. Yes. And then by the time you get money and you get wisdom, then you have less energy and it's like exactly. there's, there's always something that's, that's going exactly to trade true. it off. Yeah. That's I, exactly true. You can probably tell I'm 31. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh, if I had the energy of 21, Jordan. Oh, wait till you get to be, I'm 50. So wait till you get to be <laughs> that. I'm, I'm hoping there's a there's like a renaissance, you know, like a Matthew well, McConaughey the, style the, renaissance. The truth is that I think as you get older and you get more wisdom and more perspective on your life, that is, is hugely energizing in its own way because then you feel less like you don't feel as like, oh, I need to be, I need to be here. I need to be there. You just feel like I'm going to get there and I'm, I'm already here. I'm, I'm fine. Like, like all's good here. And then you realize like, like there's a, there's a certain kind of, grounding that you feel when when you have that perspective of looking back and seeing all that you have accomplished and going well i did all that up until this point yeah i i got a lot of energy to kind of do a lot more you know and then you see people who are like i don't know like in their 80s and 90s still kicking ass and you're like oh hell yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know another thing i've noticed that kind of comes about um you know I, th- I feel like 20 somethings are it's harder for them to say to raise their hand and say i don't know this and yeah. it, i, I want to know more about it um i feel like when you get older you get less shy about saying yep i don't oh, know yeah. how this type of thing works oh you get less shy about everything i i i feel completely like i turned into my dad in that way because like my daughter will be like mom don't do this don't stop and i'm like I don't understand at all why you're embarrassed by that. It's not a big deal. I'm always saying to her, what's the big deal? And it's exactly what I was like with my dad. I was I was like completely embarrassed even standing near him because he was he was so like like we're just going to go walk in this place like I don't care, you know. And I'm not as bad as he was, but I definitely am less like a, inhibited about stuff in general and, and we had chatted about you know being less inhibited and in your work and pushing yeah. yourself so talk about that and what you what you hope to see in your students in that regard 
Yeah, I think that students do. I see that there's hesitation. I see that if if they think sometimes like if they think that I'm that they're pleasing me, then they they think they're on the right track. And I'm just like, this is just my opinion. I, I have my own aesthetic things I'm drawn to. I, I come with my own um, pre, like I like this and I don't like that. And art is so subjective like that. So what I think isn't, I mean, yes, I'm grading you on on composition and, and how you use color and, and all these different things, right? But at the end of the day, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, how they they get excited by their own work like students that i see that starting a project and they go like yeah i'm really i'd like to do this and, I'm, and, you, and i see them get excited about that then i go yeah that's what you, that's what it, that's where the energy is that's what's gonna compel you to want to go for that job you know to and and that's what makes i think the difference in um in like if you will end up being an illustrator, designer, art person in the arts, working in the art industry. And the thing is, I had so many different jobs before I was an illustrator. So and I and I honestly can say I was really happy at some of the, most of those jobs. Most of those jobs I was in that job and I'm like I get paid to do this. Like I was like this is cool shit. Like I get to like I would come home and be like I designed a, like a, a set of trivets. I designed these things and they're in Bed Bath and Beyond. I can go buy the things I designed. Like that was one of the jobs I had. And it was the it was so much fun. And it's not like it just like I ended up here doing this, but like there's a ton of really fun, exciting, cool jobs that may not be what you like when people like, oh, I want to do comics. I want to do comics. I'm so, like, that's what I'm destined to do. I'm like, okay. Well, how about we learn sequential art? How about we learn the broad spectrum of how to think like a sequential artist? And then let's go out into the world and see where you fit. Because you know what? You could work at a corporation doing posters for them or advertisements or packaging and what you learned as a sequential artist, you could still take it into that, you know. And how do you? How did you take some of these jobs and not think I've just abandoned illustration? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, just because I always, I always was working on my own personal projects on this at night, on the side, weekends. Like it was like that was always going on, and I never really stopped that I still to this day I don't stop that like I teach but I do my freelance all always and my freelance part of it is the commission work that I get but part of it is like the book dummies like I do book dummies it takes so long to do a book dummy and I just you know pitch this I just today got like uh, yesterday got word back from one of my publishers. Well, we don't like it like this. Maybe if you try it like that. Okay, then I get that feedback and I go, all right, that's another maybe four months of work for me at night. And not not all every night, but, you know, factoring it in with my schedule and my daughter's things and stuff. Like, okay, so maybe that's another. I won't, by the summer, maybe I'll get them what they want. And I don't get paid for that. It just It's just my freelance stuff, you know, so. The slope is so slippery that it's kind of summarizing a lot of what we've talked about. 
you see you see people that you you idolize you only get the positive images of Mm -hmm. them in in social media and then you have self-doubts about your ability to do something and then you get a job that isn't 100% related to that and then you think that's the endorsement that I've secretly been looking for that I'm not good enough to do this that because I had to take this job that was not comics for example right that's that's the world telling me like you were right you were yeah. but it's not it's not it's not it's 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 that i think i would i also really feel like i really started to try to adopt this this idea a while ago and i i try to use it whenever i can like there's certain things that like when i hit some a wall on something and i go like you have to go back to that way of thinking one of the things is that every single thing that happens to you in your life is there to teach you something and it's kind of sounds corny in a way and you hear it like on oprah and stuff like that but i honestly really do feel like if i go back to that idea that like even when i look back on my life i'm like wow that crazy crazy thing happened to me like what but it did give me this kind of weird skill in a in a strange way um and so in a way i do think that even the 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 things that we think are taking us from our goal are actually not taking us from our goal. They're leading us someplace that we're, we we need to learn something from. Yeah. And a lot of that comes full circle back to the mental health is, aspect of like, like for example, let's say, you know, you think, oh, I should have got this job and, you know, oh, damn, I, I didn't get that. And now I have to do this. Well, maybe that other job, there's ways that you have to interact with people or, share part of yourself or share your story or you you meet somebody who changes your life at that other place and then that the different trajectory that you would have never been on that you're so grateful that you are on you know that's what i really liked about eric's talk in your class about the story snacker which you know is yeah. a also a podcast episode you, you listening to this can uh can listen to but his story is exactly about that i wrote radio ads and they were yeah. 60 seconds long and then suddenly i have this idea to create story illustrated stories that are 60 seconds long and i already have this skill from a job that had nothing to do with illustration right, right. and that every everything kind of uh shows its hand we, eventually. we think that like i think sometimes that we lock into like i'm i'm supposed to do this but what i've learned over the years is that i'm actually good at things i didn't think i was good at and people go like you're no actually you're good at this so i'm going to give you this and then you go like why am i getting that and you think I'm not really supposed to be getting that. But then you do it and you're like, wow, I'm actually pretty good at this. And I actually do enjoy this. So I just have to be open to it in a way, open to like, and I get paid good money for it. So it's like, that's what's kind of strange is I think we sometimes as artists define that like, to this is the narrow vision of what I think of this is my dream. My dream is to be this, to be a comic book person or to be a you know, artists making these kind of paintings or whatever. And yet, like, I feel like if if you're open, you can actually make some really good money by using skills that you don't even know that you have in there. I'm just also now discovering, wow, uh, I'm good at this, I'm good at that, and actually could be making money like that. But I didn't really think of like that before. I just was like, oh, you know, it's like, I'll just give it away, like, you know. It's kind of like I think that's why self promotion's good is because I feel like that's where 
a class like that, I can kind of be like, let's look at the broader picture of who you are. Because really, it's not, it's, it's really looking at like, what are you putting out there into the world? And what are people seeing? Because maybe you're, you're saying, I want to do surface pattern design. But if you want to balance your career out in, in you know, and ha- and make money in this, then try making money here, do the surface pattern on the side, then build up to the surface pattern is the hardest nut to crack. It's the hardest one to make seriously good money at. That's the longest road. That's because I, I all the years that I ha- have been working, I know that certain cr- certain choices that you might make are, are gonna, you can do it, but to, to keep yourself afloat financially, you have to balance out all the different places. And so that one might take longer. So do these other things, you know, you have to be realistic about things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And what are some things that you do to kind of stay on the level? Okay. So when I went back to grad school about four or five years ago, that was like a big kind of shift for me to be like, okay, enough of the freelance world. I need to get out of my studio and really connect with other people in a in a in a real kind of focused way and and that was part of my decision to go back to grad school and out of that came also my realization like that realization of knowing that like connecting to people it's 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 like water it's like you, you need to push yourself into the water and do it and and reach out to people and talk to people um, and and share all the stuff with them um, on a daily basis because otherwise it, that if I don't do that I feel complete like I can get I can start taking a, a dive you know into the darker side you know um, one of my friends we were talking recently and he's and he's super ambitious like he does he, he has this car company um, he he just he like blows me away because he uh, like about maybe five six years ago decided he made a lot of money by um this startup company that he started with a friend of his and then he had all this money sitting there and he's like what do i want to do my with my life what am i going to do and he had like about a year and a half of really soul searching trying to figure and he went back to like his childhood dream of wanting to design cars but like he wasn't in the position to go work for ford or something like that so he said i'm gonna have my own company um and so he started his own company, Bollinger Motors. And now he he designed with his team um, a battery powered truck. And it's like crazy how big it's gotten now. He's building a, he's making a factory in Detroit right now. And like we were on the phone the other day and and we're talking and he and he's like well you know we, we talk about like ambitious things that we had and stuff and then i said to him like you know like what am i gonna do like go to the dark side like what what else? he's like you're doing all these things i'm like yeah but you know what what am i what else am i gonna do like I, i'm not gonna just like i just i'm built that way where i'm curious about the world and it's either you be curious, it's kind of black or white in a way. Like either you're a curious person and you just go, just continue seeking and pushing yourself, which I feel like he he has completely pushed himself into these uncomfortable places. And that's the other thing is like, we talked a lot about how to learn, you have to, you have to hit these really uncomfortable places where you're just like, oh fuck, this is really, 
I am really cranky. And then I said to him, like, that's when you know that you're, you're really pushing through. You sometimes have to get to that place. So, but anyway, it's like that, that's where I feel like it's either you, you go and you say like, I, either I just throw, throw the towel in or you just go the other way, you know? So, and, and like having people in your life who are doing that, who are pushing through their fears and, and really um, kind of showing that they are getting scared and they're still in the fight, that's what keeps you going. That's what, that's what makes you go like, yeah, I can do this because look, my best friend is doing this. Look at that other person's doing it. So you got to surround yourself with people who are, who are able to look at their, look at their stuff, you know? Yeah. Habits are contagious, good and they bad. Are. And you they get those are. from the people that you're around. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. totally. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. This was really oh, good cool. conversation. I think you know, okay, people great. in the ramp. Well, thanks. I, I had a I had a great time. I'm, I really enjoyed talking to you too. That's our episode. And if you're wondering what to do with this information, unlike our other episodes, there's no specific action step to take. But this is a good reminder that mentors are invaluable components to our professional development. A mentor can help you make sure, quote, your head is in the right place, end quote. Also, having strong relationships within your own peer group is highly valuable. If it's just you reflecting your professional progress with that which you see on social media, you'll always look like you're behind, unworthy, and untalented. But if you are able to reflect your progress to what your peers are also going through, you'll have a much better benchmark. Social media washes away the mistakes, the struggles, the tears, and leaves us thinking that the people behind the account are perfect humans, one of the few endowed with great talent. Nothing could be further from the truth. Take care, everyone, and we'll return to this conversation in part two. Our theme is Jimmy H. Boogaloo by the Juanitos, Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.